this thing locked down here we are on a thursday night we're making our way through the week tomorrow's going to be a good one i'll have a little i'll have matt in i think anthony will be in as well because we got um more than a few people have gotten in touch with me said frank you you got to dive into this p diddy thing and yes indeed we must the other thing i gotta let you know right off the bat too is that we are already i haven't picked a date uh, with Frank and Jim Zell, but we are we're going to do um, a follow-up to the Danny Casolaro story. Uh, last year we did an episode together called the uh, Danny Casolaro and the Real Spectre. You know, octopus, the octopus, Spectre, James Bond. Of course, James Bond. The 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 logo of Spectre was the octopus, and it all points to the same thing. Well. Um, Frank and Jim got in touch with me, like I said, and they said, listen, this uh, this Netflix documentary just came out about Danny Casolaro and his murder. Um, you know, true journalism, the mark of true journalism in many ways, <laughs> you know. Um, and Frank finished it last night. He said it's it's one of the it's one of the best things that uh, Netflix has ever done. You know, he goes into the things like that. Their release is cautiously optimistic, but he says it's um it's fantastic. I saw most of the first episode. I will rip through the first one and then the other three over the weekend, and we'll get something on the books to follow up with what we already laid the groundwork for uh, last week. I mean, last year. So just giving you that heads up again, that's in the works. Uh, all right. So tonight we got Nick Shirley that's going to be calling in for a short segment just to give us a little bit more uh, of an exclusive on all of the coverage he's been doing with the migrant crisis he gets a lot of these really interesting interviews with people who are at the migrant hotels in new york city he even was able to go down to the border recently and like most people who go down there even for five minutes to just get some b-roll you know you, you go down there for a little bit of b-roll some some original footage from any section of border between the the united states and mexico and you are probably going to see a uh, a large caravan of people sneaking over and and waving like they just they they just uh, you know landed on you know D Day with no guns of course it's as if D Day instead of being met with gunfire from Nazi pillboxes everybody's getting medical insurance and uh, and being shuttled around around the country first class so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then I want to be able to cover it through the lens of a French revolutionary mindset, which will be in the second half when we read through a really it's a short but a great article, as they usually are, by James Howard Kunstler, who I would love to get on the show one day. And I uh, I have several mutual friends of his. We have several mutual friends, so maybe I can I can 
pull some strings. That would be great. So that's what we got going on tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Go to, just real quickly, I would say go to the, quite frankly, affiliates page and take a look at all of our wonderful sponsors. From the merch to the coffee to the to the, the prepping to the gold and the silver, just go ahead and check them all out. That would be a wonderful thing. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Over here on the front end with some grab bag articles, because we don't have a lot of time before before Nick shows up. Texas battles historic wildfires as snow covers scorched land in the panhandle. They say that it is now the largest fire in the state's history. And as of course we were talking about it last night, we had one or two, I think maybe one call on this. But still, I um, I went into this a little bit more. And then, of course, right before I went live, a friend of mine sent me a, a video of Joe Biden. And I don't I, I have to do a little bit of digging to see if this is real. And it was it's only 11 second clip. And I want to see what the context of it, although I don't know how it can be anything other than a uh, Freudian slip or a something. But it what it looked to be was a 11 second media clip of Joe Biden saying making a very interesting observation about the grounds out there in Texas where you'll have just completely leveled houses and then in the middle of a neighborhood of completely leveled houses there would be a house that is virtually untouched because it had the right roof the right kind of roof immediately People reacting to this clip are saying the blue roofs, the blue roofs, DEWs, proofs of DEWs. I, I, I mean, maybe some of you have seen this. I, ha- I would have to hold that up against um, whatever the hell the, the the larger press conference was and all that. So just just saying um, off the bat, all types of weird stuff being passed around. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's all true. Or if none of it's true. All right. So that's that. Thinking about our friends out there in, in Texas, uh, it just—they uh, said that the, the the blaze is about the sa- the uh, the square mileage of the sa- uh, of uh, the state of Rhode Island, so it's big. Then in Pennsylvania, we have this: supporters of Amos Miller descended onto the Lancaster County Courthouse to rally behind the Amish farmers in his fight against the state of Pennsylvania. This is from Newsweek. So when they say descended, descended upon or descended onto the Lancaster County Courthouse, that means that they attacked, they swarmed in a drooling right-wing fury. That's what Newsweek means when they say descended. You know, there's one thing gathered outside the courthouse to protest, no, descended upon. Crowds of protesters on Thursday were seen gathered outside of the building. Oh, there you go. On North Duke Street, as the hearing in the case of Miller's farm unfolded inside the courthouse, Miller, whose cause has become a rallying call for conservatives, is being sued by the state to stop him from selling raw milk and other unregulated products. You know, we know we know the, the basis of this, and we'll be keeping an eye on it. And, of course, we'll, we'll check up on this with with um, uh, Jay Gulanello and perhaps even John Ward. If he went out there, I'll, I'll text him to see what he saw. And um, if he did go out there and conduct interviews, I'm sure that's going to be content on his channel either tonight or tomorrow. So I'll just be on the lookout for that before anything. But still, um, 
you know, what, what are you going to say? That's all oh, those, those silly, those silly cons conservatives and their raw milk. That used to be some, again, this used to be something that I thought was a liberal thing. When I thought about liberals in the 1990s, in the, in the most rudimentary way I ever used to hear these terms thrown around when I was in middle school, liberals and conservatives. Conservatives felt stuffy to me, like there was no, there was no good humor over there. There was nothing good. You know, it was just stuffy, stuffy church people. That's what I came up, I, that's what I thought growing up. And then, of course, liberals were just like kind of like uh, live and let live type of people all the way over to hippies never really conceived of what Bolsheviks and communists were that 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 beyond hippies there would be people with knives ready to slice your throat you know you know you have no clue so that's what I thought this is what liberals were doing and for a time there were you know the tree hugging hippies out there they're, they're raising their barefoot children and they're avoiding vaccines and they like raw milk and they and they only eat things fresh from the farm and they don't, they'll never touch McDonald's. And I love Happy Meals, so I think that's kind of square. But no, now it's a conservative thing to want raw milk on regulated foods. My gosh. Because God forbid one person who engaged in voluntary uh, economic activity and voluntary purchase of eight ounces of raw milk from a farm. God forbid one person got E. coli. Pharmaceutical liability, though? No. Don't you dare hinder science. You know, sometimes you need to crack a few eggs to make a trillion dollars. Sometimes you need to crack a few eggs to make a trillion dollars, Pfizer. But yes, let's make sure that the, the farmer is not able to feed his family the food that they've grown because the milk is unregulated and God forbid they get E. coli. Do they really care? No, it's about sending a message, as always. All right, so we'll see what happens on that end. And then, of course, mass migration has shattered Britain's identity. That's what they're reporting at Yahoo News. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about identity identity shattering tonight when it comes to migration and everything else that's being used to pick apart the West in order that uh, in order to uh, make the rebuilding rights available to, of course, the demolitionists themselves. And that's what we're doing tonight. Let's let's start real quick because I'd love to show you a couple of Nick Shirley's videos before he comes on. Actually. He's waiting for me already, so let's just get this one started, shall we? We will be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
Yes. Hey, babies. Good to have you back. So, we've got Nick Shirley coming on the show in just a moment. Young citizen journalist um, who was on with us during that two and a half week span that I was primarily broadcasting from Studio B. And it was great to meet him back then. A little nostalgic nostalgic for those weeks, even though I was highly stressed about what the, the status of this place was going to be. Don't worry, don't worry. There will be nights that I settle in for a nice show from home and uh, and leave the door open for that little nugget so she can come in and sing the scorpions to all of you guys. Um, here is a little bit of what Nick has been doing. He's been in New York City. Here's a, here's a, here's a migrant telling you who they would vote for in 2024 if they were given the ability to do so. Are you going to vote? He says, if they give us the opportunity, we're going to vote. Are you going to vote for Joe Biden? Yes. Why? Because he's a person with a huge heart and one third of a brain who's actually not in charge. But these people don't know that. It's just about, you know, loyalty to the hand that's feeding you at the moment. He's helping the migrant people. You feel that like Joe Biden has given you an opportunity? Yes, yes, we're going to support him. Yes. What do you think about Trump? I don't think anything. I wish that God protects him and his family. See, all things equal, um, they would naturally gravitate toward Trump, somebody with machismo, you know? Um, but this is more so about uh, thank you for leaving the back door open. And, uh, and thank you for putting us up in this hotel for seven months without asking us for a dime. Here are some migrants that are receiving, like I said, seven months free rent, free meals, free insurance, and more. Take a listen to this. Uh, yes. And if you say, oh, well, that's New Yorkers money. Nope. Nope. New York is only able to do this because it's getting money from all of you guys as well. And whatever companies are jumping up to try to throw their name into the hat so that when we really go into a universal basic income fascist dictatorship where they're just paying people to be out there, be professional voters, they'll have already those those established relationships in order. But here you go, listen to this. How long have you been staying here? They arrived in July. Almost seven months. And you have to pay rent? No, no, nothing. I haven't paid anything. 100% free, yes. They give you lunch and breakfast? Yes. They give the child personal items, diapers, whatever he needs. In the hotel, do they clean the rooms? Oh, yes. Every day they clean. They change the bed sheets. Every day they do that. Yes, every day. Have you been able to get a job? No, not me, no. If you had a medical problem, how would you receive help? Well, with the medical insurance, Medicare. Medicare, ladies and gentlemen, Medicare. Some of you at home, if you ever needed government assistance with with uh, Medicare, whatever the hell it is, you'd have to literally plunder your bank accounts. You would have to make yourself destitute in order to, to, to get in on some of that stuff. Medicaid, Medicare, it's, it, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. 
So really, what does this mean? Are these people who are ready to climb the ladder? No. No, I'm sure in two or three generations, somebody's going to uh, start a business or whatever the hell's going on. But th this is about investing in a permanent underclass, dependent underclass. And for everybody out, and, and there, there are always people in these comments that are like, what, you really want to be the people to tell them no? Like, you, do you understand you're not being, you're, you're, you're not the good guy in this? You are the new slave driver? Do you understand that? I just don't get it. I just don't get what people are are, are missing at this point. But, uh, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to bring that up with our guest tonight, Nick. He's back. It's been a while since we've seen him. Nick, how you feeling, man? Oh, hold on. The uh, the audio. So there he is. Nick, how you feeling? Good, good. How are you guys? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, let me ask you something. Um, outside of all of the work that you do being on on the ground, going out there and just trying to f get a feel for what's going on in the world, because obviously what they tell us on the news is never even a fraction of the story. When you are dealing with people in your own comment section who come from a standpoint of what is being done, what is being allowed, what is being encouraged to grow in cities like New York and what's happening at the border, that it, uh, it, it is the most compassionate option, that this is the most compassionate option, that, that thinking that this is not right and trying to put a stop to it and reverse course, that is the, that is the bad path. What do you think about that? Because I find that inverted logic really disturbing, even more disturbing than all of the things that you show in your interviews. Yeah, as far as uh, what I think about them having compassion towards the migrants, is, is that kind of the question? No, 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 no. The people who conflate leaving the border wide open and leaving these hotels open, putting all this on the, on the taxpayer's dime, and to completely deny that there's ever a problem to conflate all of that with compassion. I, I'm not against being compassionate to people in need, but what this is is an obvious massive uh, invasion operation, and, and some people just seem to be totally blind to it, and they, they think that it's all on the up and up, that these things just happen. What do you see now that you've actually been at the places where the people are being um, housed and you've actually been to the border watching them arrive? Yeah, it's super interesting, right, because they're just letting it everybody and anybody into the country and then once they get here to the united states they're providing them with everything they need to survive but the only thing they're not giving them is the right to work and so these companies are making all this money from the governments and from other organizations that are contracting out for instance the hotels and such like that and these migrants are locked inside of these places because they can't work right and so they don't really have that many options their options are to stay inside the hotel, receive free food, and uh, sleep, free place to sleep, or if they want to make money, they have to do things illegally or be selling on the street uh, products. That's why if you go to Times Square, it's just full of migrants that are selling fruit, churros, anything you can potentially sell. And, and uh, since you've spoken, since we've spoken last, have you been able to dig into any of the the living conditions outside of the fact that they obviously have hotel staff going there to clean people's rooms every day and keep things as tidy as possible? Uh, anything, any kind of update on the conditions, you know, social conditions within these hotels, how people are treating each other, any kind of crime inside of there, abuse, whatever it is. 
yeah, so inside the hotels, there's obviously the maid service and stuff. So a lot of these migrants, um, I mean, if they were smart, they do good. What they do a good job and upkeep their uh, uh, their like apartments, their hotel rooms. However, uh, many of them say like, well, they they can't. They don't let us bring in food because some migrants have brought in food and then the food rots and then animals get into the hotel rooms. And so, I think it really depends on what what type of person the migrant is. If they're going to keep it clean or if they're going to have disorder there in their hotel rooms, right? Um, but like these hotels and these organizations are trying their best. And it's just a weird situation because, like, who's paying for all this and how they think it's even possible to keep this going, right? I know. I know. It's coming from somewhere. It's flowing through from somewhere. And it's a place that has very, very deep pockets, whether it's the, the central bank itself or some other kind of lawn, uh, money launderer. I, I don't know. But, you know, the one thing that you did do um, that has been very different lately aside from appearing on Jesse Waters' show, and I want to talk to you about that experience soon. But you were down at the border, and as I said, it's not uncommon for anybody going down there just to be able to capture some B-roll with the cameras to be actually see people coming over the border. So you're standing there with your microphone and your camera as people are crossing over, and you're able to conduct an interview. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I'll play the, I'll play the video uh, a little bit later, but since, we, uh, since we're on... Tell us a little bit about that because you must have been surprised by it. Yeah, that was honestly so crazy. So I'm there at the border, and if you watch my YouTube videos, you see I bring my mom with me because she's also very into these videos. And we see these people. Nobody was coming over, and, I, and actually off camera I yelled, venga, venga, which means come, come, to see if anyone would see if there was people coming because nobody was coming. And out of nowhere, a huge like group of like, 10, 20 people would start moving from these bushes start coming out of the bushes i'm what? not i kid you not they were and, just, they were just waiting for they were, they were waiting for commands then yeah there there's like there's two groups within like the te 10 minutes and whenever i would yell venga or come like the police already left like a group would come and it was it was absolutely bizarre and uh i the first time i was too scared to get close because when they get when they are brought up to the border they're brought up with the cartel member and so I got super scared the first time, but then the second time I was like, all right, well, I got to get this. This will be crazy. And I go up and I meet the migrants at the border wall. And then right behind them, about 20 feet, 20 yards behind, there's a cartel coyote with uh, ski glasses on. And he just waves at me and I wave back at him and people started coming over the border. You had visual contact with a cartel member. I'm telling you, you're doing you're doing some very ballsy things there, man. I mean, that's 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 ballsy shit. There must have been some adrenaline pumping for another couple of hours after you left. Yeah, definitely. And then after, um, I, like, I was kind of got nervous because you know usually you don't know who's coming over the border, obviously, and like with anybody. And I tried to warn Border Patrol that like people were coming over to see if they would even do anything, and Border Patrol literally like just brushed me off and gave me like the hand. And so I was there all by myself, and then more people started coming over, and there was, like, more men that started coming over. And I kind of got nervous because who knows if the cartel would have just, like, brought over, like, a cartel member with a gun, right, because I was all by myself. And so I, uh, so I hurry and ran back into the car, and all the migrants are, like, coming to the car. They're like, where do we go? We don't want to get deported. <laughs> it was crazy. So, okay, so then uh, the conversations you had with them. I know that one, one woman came over um, pregnant, 
I know that's a, that's a big thing. Uh, people love to time their pregnancies and their arrivals there because there is that, um, that, that so-called anchor baby um, mentality of, hey, if there's the child born here, then they've won themselves the, the right to never be re- uh, you know, uh, released or, or deported. Um, so I know that th- th- a lot of people uh, time their pregnancies that way. That, that's across the board. This is always, uh, you know, um, but wh- what, what were you hearing from them whenever you did ask questions and felt comfortable enough, you know, um, you know, getting some information from them? Everybody I talk to, they always usually say the same thing. We're fleeing our country due to violence and uh, for a better life here in the United States. And when now, like I originally wasn't planning on doing all these videos about the migrant crisis. And then every time I talk to a migrant, I'm just like blown away by hearing another fact about what they say, for instance, that in Mexico or in Venezuela or in Cuba, they make $10 a month. And so it's like, well, if you were a migrant, why wouldn't you come here to the United States when you can make thousand dollars a month right and and so when I talked to these people especially the people I talked to in my last video it was a there was a grandpa with his grandkids with his with his kids and his in-law and they're like well we have to leave because it's so violent and it's just like how can it be so bad in these other countries that all these people want to come over here how is it that there's not a safe city inside of these countries I don't know because things are getting much worse over here too uh, it seems like everybody, whatever is, is is happening over there, is starting to happen over here in a greater way as well. So it, it makes absolutely no sense, and it's not helping anyone. Let me ask you this other thing about uh, just as as far as about where people are coming from, their their points of origin. Uh, obviously, anytime you think about the southern border, it's just stereotypical to think here here comes you know, Mexicans or here comes Guatemalans just because we're, we're connected to Central and South America. But as we know, statistically, this is a worldwide hundred plus country invasion and influx of people from over a hundred countries, especially Chinese. We've been hearing a, a lot about just battalions worth of Chinese. Have you had any of those kinds of uh, interactions or observations, or has all the people you've been uh, talking to from Latin America? Yeah, so a lot of the people, um, originally when I first started covering the topic about uh, right before Christmas time, it was all Latinos. And then yesterday I was down in San Diego, and I didn't find a Latino. They were all um, from China, from Africa, from countries I've never even heard of, and Brazil, which technically is Latino, but they don't speak Spanish. And so uh, there was just tons of people from countries that you never even heard of. Like, for instance, I bet you don't even know there's a country called Mauritania in Africa where everyone's coming from. Just like, and then if you're a teenager, if you're 18 years old and you're hearing like, oh, America's open, and all you've seen your whole entire life is Hollywood films, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like an opportunity of a lifetime. Like, let's go to America right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I understand the so. motivations. The thing that really gets me is the transportation. You know, when you when you talk about people from from you know little known African countries that are coming this way, it's not just about okay. Well, uh, we have about fifteen hundred miles to go north, and we're going to shack up with a coyote member. We're going to say a prayer, and hopefully, we get there alive. You know you have to first cross the Atlantic Ocean. Now, I know that uh, even there's going to be a communication barrier for 
for you um, with even Brazilians because you speak Spanish, you don't speak Portuguese, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously there's going to be a language barrier between you and any kind of native Africans that are coming over. So I, I can't imagine you'll be able to have any, have you had any interviews with them that, that, you know, that speak English by any chance, or is that something you haven't even been able to crack because of the language divide? Yeah. Uh, some of them do speak English and in my next video that I'm going to be uploading on my channel, you're going to see a lot more of people from outside of Latin America that are from China and from all these other countries. Okay. And their stories are a lot different because, like you said, they have to come across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and I believe, I have to believe there's better options besides coming across the Atlantic Ocean. And why I don't know why they don't go up north to Europe or to other countries where people actually speak their own languages instead of the United States where their language isn't even spoken. Uh, well, it's, it's apparent that the United States just doesn't care about um, about maintaining any kind of any kind of really, uh, you know, common thread here, even with language, you know, we will, we, we are making the military multicultural and multi multilingual. I mean, uh, over here in the, in, especially in my neck of the woods in New York, every legal paper, every, every, you know, uh, more and more traffic signs and everything has a Spanish translation. We cater to the foreigner and we do not care about having any kind of social cohesion, even when it comes to communication. So I don't think anybody in the rest of the world feels uncomfortable coming here and not knowing the language. Somebody will show up and bend over backwards for them. Whereas if we go there, uh, we're expected to just, you know, honor what's going on in their culture. And that I, I, I have to imagine that that'd be a part of it. But your bigger point about why not just follow the land masses upward and avoid having to cross the Atlantic because Europe is giving away the farm just like America is. So, you know, why go across? So that's the one thing I would love to learn about is um, who's sponsoring these trips and how they're getting across the ocean first. Then, of course, who are they shacking up with when they get over here in the Western Hemisphere to then go and cross the border illegally? So did you ask any questions about that as, as far as how, how they're actually making the uh, transatlantic fly, uh, 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 ride? Yeah, so obviously they come through, they come by a boat, and then they come either to Mexico or they come to a country like uh, Guatemala or um, Nicaragua, and then from there um, they just make the way all the way up. So that's pretty wild, you think, and... For them, for instance, I talked to some of them, but some of the kids from Africa yesterday, and they said they spent between seven to ten thousand dollars American dollars to pay cartel as they got up there. And to them, that could be a year to two years of a yearly salary. So these people have been saving up for years just to pay the cartel fees. Wow, seven to ten thousand dollars? What? Just to get across the ocean, or once they get here, seven to ten thousand dollars to get up? Uh, across the border I believe that's just in Mexico Wow and so every person you see that comes through uh, Frank they've paid between five to ten thousand dollars even upwards to twenty thousand dollars depending if you're Chinese some of them will pay up to twenty thousand dollars to get to the United States you so you're telling me that 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 little pregnant lady that came across the border coughed up thousands of dollars I, they just they, people don't look like they had that kind of means even if it took years uh, yeah so they, they paid 
she came with a family, right? So she paid five thousand dollars per person, and then I imagine they paid. I imagine they made her pay them more because she was pregnant. And so, the, a lot of the times, I believe these migrants also, once they get to Mexico, they are stuck there working until they can have enough money to pay the cartel. And then, if they don't pay the cartel, I'm sure there's. Uh, you hear stories of people being uh, kidnapped or or abused, and so I'm sure maybe those are like discounts, you know, like okay, well do this and we'll let you come by. And so that's another reason why um, I think all this stuff needs to come to an end because I actually like care for, I care for these migrants. I care like for their well-being and by keeping everything going, they're actually destroying more lives than they are helping by letting them come to the United States because during the path of getting here to the United States, there's so many things that could potentially happen with these, with the lives of these migrants, especially with like little kids and, and women. That's why they need to really stop what's going on because by keeping the border open, they're actually destroying thousands and even millions of lives. Well, I, let me put this into perspective. Um, over the last however many, let's say over the last few years alone, it, it is safe to say that an, an additional, an additional 70, an additional 10 million people are here. That's on top of. That's on top of knowing that there was at least 40 to 60 million illegal aliens in this country prior to just because of the way that America has been running the border since the 1960s. But if what you're saying is true, five to ten thousand dollars a person to get up here for passage through Mexico, for passage through one way and not even considering the boat costs for those those who are coming from the, the eastern hemisphere. If it's going to be five to to ten thousand, let's call it seven thousand, right down the middle, uh, uh, pretty much, and times that by ten million, we're talking about profit, seventy billion dollars. Somebody, that's around the area of seventy billion dollars. Somebody made. Um, yeah, the 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 cartels are making. Uh, some people, some people have told me uh, an army soldier told me that they're making around 200 million dollars a day in, with uh human trafficking and bringing over drugs to the united states 200 million a day yeah and then it's not and then <laughs> what's crazy if you watch my last video is we went to a camp that was in the middle of the desert and in there um we sent in a guy after i didn't put this in my video we sent in a guy after to go on there who who looked like a, a migrant and cartel members arrived inside of that camp where he was at inside the United States. And so it's not far-fetched to believe that these organizations that are helping these migrants are not profiting from the cartel. And so, like, it's so twisted and dark. It's like it's like one of those, it's like the Epstein stuff, right? It's just like a never-ending loophole Oh yeah, of oh. people that are making money and, like, I think that I was thinking about this the other day. If because the cartels are in Mexico, it's probably a lot easier for politicians or the elites to make money and not have it get laundered through the United States if it's coming through Mexico. Like it's money you would never have to report on, and you can have secret bank accounts and 
secret accounts in other places. Oh, there's a stuff, lot. There's there's a lot there, Nick. You listen, it's, you know, it's, you, it's crazy. You're doing a great deal of uh, you're doing everybody a great service just for your your presence in New York and elsewhere. And like I said, what what you're doing takes balls. Um, and so I hope that w- once you get an adequate amount of stuff, you you know, you, I, I there's only so much you can do to show people that hey, people are coming over every day. And hey, uh, we are subsidizing what is the the most avoidable human rights and humanitarian crises ever. Because essentially, what I believe, and uh, who knows how far you'll dig, you're still very young. I think you still have a lot of hope, Nick. You see, it's good that you come on my show every once in a while, and you don't come on every night because you will then start having <laughs> having my frustration rub off on you because. Um, I think that these people are being used as weapons against the country, and um, and it's it's not going to help anyone, especially them, because they're not actually nobody cares about them. Um, nobody really cares. They're being used. They're being used. We're all being abused together. And uh, somebody at the top hopes that we just take out all our frustration on them instead of the people who are trafficking them and uh screwing us all over but real quick uh you had a really wonderful bit of acknowledgement there of your work by with jesse waters how was that yeah that was cool um i really like jesse and jesse i love watching jesse because it's like a it's like a late night comedy show with facts and about america right and so it was really cool having him recognize my work and having uh everyone like i didn't realize how many people really watch fox news and so it's been interesting. We were, my 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 parents and grandparents were getting messages while I was live on TV <laughs> from people I haven't heard from in ten years. That must have been. Uh, oh yeah, there's really. still there's still millions who watch. You know, um, it, it's not it's not nowhere near the force it used to be because the internet is where people are. I mean, you have the ability to to, to garner far more viewership than Fox News does this day these days if you keep up with it. But the fact that you were in studio, right? Yeah, I was in studio. They invited me in, and they uh, my mom. My mom, she's uh, always wanted to be a journalist and a, a reporter, and because she had five kids, she couldn't do it. And so it's been actually really fun making these videos with my mom, and then she was able to come on, meet Jesse. Uh, she was able to get a photo there in Fox News, and we were in the green room. The truth was really nice, so that was really cool. Yeah, I, when I saw you post that picture, I said, "Oh, that's awesome." I felt great for you. <laughs> felt great. Well, listen, man. It's not as good being on. It's not as good as being on. Quite frankly, <laughs> no, of course not. We could we could curse over here if we wanted to, but but anyway, next time you're in New York, if you're ever in New York and you're hanging around for a couple of days, hey, you're more than welcome to come about you know twenty twenty five miles north of Manhattan and hang out in here for an evening. But um, but uh, seriously, thank you. Send my best to your mother as well. Stay safe out there. And anything uh, anything that starts breaking on your end that you wanna you wanna send over uh, and get the word out about whatever you have uncovered and wherever your work takes you next, just let me know. You know how to reach me. All right, well, thank you so much for all the support. You got it. And where should people go to find your stuff? Is Instagram and YouTube the best ways to find you? Yeah, it's all my uh, social media is just Nick Shirley. Uh, YouTube is where I post these week. I'm posting weekly these documentaries about what's going on here in America. And if you guys have more stuff you'd like me to do, uh, cover topics, I'm looking for that as well. So okay. uh, leave that in the chat. Sounds good, man. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. There you go. Nick Shirley. I don't know, who knows? Maybe I say, hey, Nick, listen, we need you. Uh, we, we really need you to go and get some some information on one thing or another. 
And it, it happens to be right next to a major migrant crisis point. So you can kill two birds with one stone. I don't know if I have any stories for him to go check out, but that's, uh, yeah, man. He's, I've, compassion. Compassion is really running out for me. It's not that I don't, I don't see humanity in all people. That's impossible for me and all of you guys at home not to do, especially if people aren't, aren't acting like animals. They're just innocent, being used. I mean, we're all being used. It's just everybody's being designed to play certain roles. Some people are being used to eliminate the other people um, by either demographic washout or uh, economic burdens that just kind of put people into despotism that they can't get out of so that we're all dependent uh, but eventually it's, you know, there's, there's going to be a new phase and everybody starts seeing just how loyal that party was that brought you in, you know, um, it's just nuts. And then check this out. Here's the other aspect of it, because, you know, it starts out one thing. It starts out one place, uh, and it go it goes so far beyond at first, at first it's concern for small towns and villages, having their identities taken away. Like, you know, we're talking about in London and elsewhere. And then, of course, you have the rising costs of having to expand schools for illegal alien children. And then there's the political gloating. Let's let's be honest about that one. That's where this really goes. The political gloating about white majorities going away. And then when you complain that there just might be a racist plot in place to erase white people at least white majorities and whatever the hell goes along with that as a voting block, they who are gloating about this every day, you know how they have the, 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 uh, the, the, what is it? The, the, how many seconds we are away to midnight, the nuclear disaster clock, whatever the hell it is. They're literally counting down the, to the day that white people are no longer a statistical majority in the country. Meanwhile, they call us racist. These are the things that they obsess over. But if you call that out, if you call attention to it, they gasp and they call you a supremacist for, 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 for caring about such things and to just get over it. And then, of course, the last things that happen is that the crime rates rise. You have DUI, the theft, the sexual assault, the murder, the, inv the, the home invasion and all that stuff. I don't know if you guys saw this. You had to have. This was yesterday, the mayor of Athens, Georgia, running a press conference because a, another person, a young girl, young college girl, was murdered by an illegal alien. And, and this is the press conference that he had, at least a portion of it. ...is the expectation of human dignity. While 2019 was not that long ago, you might remember the dynamic we were living in, in the late teens in this country, where you had... President of the United States speaking in the most vile terms about people who were foreign born. Uh, and you had that notion metastasizing in places like Charlotte. Can, can you can you believe can you believe this? Can you believe this? Of course, it's from another dickless wonder white guy in a blue tie. Of course, another dickless wonder up there is trying to find. First of all, there is no dignity with these people, obviously. There is only the message. The fact that you can have a murder case on your hands in 2024 
and find a way in the first couple of seconds to harken back to Donald Trump in 2019 and mischaracterize things that he says about people who are foreign-born? I, I, what, what are you talking about? But at least some people there were not, uh, were, were not having it. Emphasizing in places like Charlottesville. So when we have was a criminal, and you know what I thought about doing? Crossing the border to Mexico to get away from my crimes. Son, I'm going to ask you to leave. Jesus Christ, he saved me, and I no longer live that lawless life. Um, but you do. Son, I'm going to ask you, you to leave. Lawless, Mr. Mayor. I'd be glad to schedule some time with you if you'd like some individual time. Yeah, I'd like to spend some time with you. Let's do that, but I, got, I need to continue. I Sorry. I went to so are, the are you going to assume the, the resolution is that still in place? Is that, is, does that give the impression this is a sanctuary city? What, no, you can't call it that under Georgia law? What we wish to do is dignify everybody's humanity. Dignify everybody's humanity. A man who should not be in this country murdered a young girl. And these people want to dignify, first and foremost, dignify everybody's humanity. No, you have forfeited your humanity. He has forfeited his humanity, okay? There are plenty of American citizens who are murderers, okay? That is, that's enough for us to be dealing with, for any country to be dealing with their own psychopaths. I, I, am I wrong in thinking this? Am I wrong in thinking this? Like the, the op is always being run, always being run. Murderers, rapists, criminals, all kinds flowing in daily for years. And they pretend like there's some kind of a debate to be had. Some kind of a debate that's being had here. Then you, I mean, and then, you know, people pull up things like this to remind people of who's surrounding people like this mayor. This John Q. Williams guy, the sheriff of Athens, Clark County, said he once said this, quote, I don't believe that honoring ICE ICE detainers makes our local communities more safe. How wouldn't it? My local community does the same thing, by the way. By the way. How wouldn't it make it safe? How would shielding unvetted foreign vagrants from deportation make any community more safe? How, sh how is shielding unassimilated wild cards people that you don't know anything about other than they chose an illegal path to enter your country how does that make it more safe they can't answer that shit there's no answer for that because they're running an op they're running an op they want people enraged the insult to the intelligence is the point that's the point of all this insulting the intelligence for intelligent people to have reality denied in order to prop up a ridiculous assertion like the FBI the other day insinuating that a, a middle-class white girls are the biggest threat to American retailers as far as theft goes and shoplifting goes, or that it is compassionate to mutilate children for life because of impossible gender theories, or that the, the, that the, the average American associates being foreign born with being a criminal.
The average American does not associate being foreign born with being a criminal, but they keep projecting this shit. They keep projecting this shit because they, they hope that that will create a buffer to keep a very dangerous situation at the border going for however long it takes for them to reach their goals. Okay. And that, that ridiculous proje projection that goes hand in hand with the conflation of illegal aliens with immigrants. They are not the same. Okay. It's, and it's designed to be infuriating for anyone who still has any common sense left. It's designed to be infuriating and they hope, they hope, they hope that violence comes from it, that real expressions of xenophobia and racism comes from it, because then they'll have finally something statistical to point to that is, uh, you know, everything that they've been trying to will into existence for years, they just have to lie about, you know, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. It's nuts. And in the second half, I really want to, I want to talk about, um, I'm going to talk about this from the French revolutionary standpoint and mind war, because what is this really? When you look at this, when you look at everybody, um, when you look at the, the ability to, to just see a threat and either embrace it as something that needs to happen to you for one reason or like you, like self-sacrificing, self-loathing sacrifice, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's like self-sacrifice that's born from self-loathing. That's one thing, like some kind of a weird guilt. It's nuts with that. But there's also a disabling of a person's ability to even detect threats. That's all going to be in the second half of tonight's show. You can't miss it. We're going to be jumping over to quitefrankly.tv and pilled.net in just uh, about 10 minutes. Really, uh, come over because we're going to read that, that, uh, that Kunstler article about the French Revolution and I want to pair it up with a little bit of the actual literature inside of Michael Aquino's Mind War, um, you know, write-up. And you'll see this is what's going on here. It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. So, um, I don't know. That's what I got for you. 914, 914-200-0269. I got a few minutes, so let's let's take a couple of calls while you're here. Uh, anything that you think about this, just go right ahead. Call in nine one four. Oh, that's still it. Still says drug line nine one four two hundred oh two six nine. All purpose. <laughs> Last night it was the drug line. Tonight it's back to being the all purpose line. And uh, I hope I hope people call in because I want I want to hear from you. That thing in Georgia is is absolutely incredible. And it happens more and more. Really does. Here are some super chats. Last night, Melanie, uh, I got this one, oh, actually this morning, from Melanie Rodriguez. That's Mel. Says, hi, Frank, I'm putting in my vote for your Lucifer's Hammer book. That's going to be the drawing is tomorrow. Send super chats to quitefranklysuperchat.com. If you want to win Lucifer's Hammer, it's right down there. And remember, there's going to be a, uh, a second place and a third place prize. I'm putting in my vote. I thoroughly enjoyed the first book club ever and looking forward to reading The Robe with you and the rest of the Franklies. P.S. I just bought the co a coffee mug. I can't wait to use it. Let me just say that 
Melly Mel out there is just a sweetheart. Boom. That's it. Just sweetheart. She really is a pleasant, pleasant young lady. Lease Breaker. Here's one from Lease Breaker. Said, Frank, the new studio is set up slick or sick. John Ward's behind the scenes video shows it off nicely. Congrats on the completion of Studio A and B. Two cozy and productive workstations. Your flow is on point. Once your drum room is done, even more flow. See, you get it. Lease Breaker gets it. Let's take a call. 952, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank. It's uh, Cave Toad. Hey, what's going on, Cave Toad? What's on your mind? Um, well, you know, I, I got a couple of super chats in there. You can check those out, too, and I sent you an email. But before your show today, I was uh, watching Rogue News TV, of whom you're very familiar with. Yes. Uh, from Vellus, et cetera. You know, Matt Errett had out, apparently he's putting out some new series of like movies or something like that and i just caught today's you know replay of it towards the end uh when he was working with uh gorilla v or whatever his name is um and you know what it was really cool how it dug back into orson wells and how that ties into fabian society and stuff i think you might enjoy that and i don't know if you've had matt on before as a guest, but you know, I know he's been on other friends of yours. Okay. Um, well, send me for the show. The, the, the best thing to do with this kind of stuff, if it's just, you know, hey, I want you, you should check this out and check this guy out as a guest, is just send it to me in an email. Yeah, and I normally do that. And anyway, you know, okay. great show. Keep up the great work. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a oh, good night. Well, you're the best, Cave Toad. Thank you. And I can't wait to get <laughs> around to your super chats. I'll, I know they're probably there sitting in gold pill form, and uh, and we'll do that in just a moment. Let's see. Uh, no uh, rumble rants, so there is just uh, just you and I. Jay Britt says, hey, Frank, great show as usual. Thank you. Uh, 202, what's going on there? How you doing, Frank? Hello, Hot Legs. How are you? I'm doing great. Legs are cold tonight, but oh, I'm good. Okay, cold legs. So then tell me something. Uh, you are from a part of the country that is... I don't know, very blue, just because it's very it, blue. It's 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 very very deeply tied into the D.C. area. So I mean, I, what what's your experience with all the stuff that we're talking about? Um, my experience is D.C. is sort of uh, I wouldn't say we're overwhelmed at this point. I think we were overwhelmed with a lot of homelessness in the past couple of years, but. We're starting to see, uh, you know, a lot of what you call them immigrants, <laughs> migrants, whatever we're calling them now, people that don't look like they've been here for long, walking up and down the streets, same backpacks, same shoes, same jeans, same jacket, um, you know, looking like basically they all come from the same mother <laughs> who's dressed them all the same. I mean, that's normal. I see people walking up in the middle of the road early in the morning i'm out in the rural areas i see it out here and i see it in dc but what i wanted to share with you is uh maryland session is in session now in annapolis and they voted this week pretty much uh, party line to allow um what we calling what are we calling them migrants migrants yeah 
to join join the Maryland Health Exchange, and I think they voted on it today in the Senate. Wow! And um, so that's that's going to happen all over the country, and I'm not sure who people think are going to pay for that, but I believe, you know, it's going to be paid for. So uh, they'll be on the health exchanges, and this is really just furthering the the situation with uh, you know healthcare reforms and how expensive it's gotten with Obamacare because somebody's got to pay for it so the premiums are rising and when you add what 10 million people I don't know how many are going to be added eventually into the health exchanges across the country oh yeah the really the, uh, the demand the demand insane. the demand is going to go up tenfold for a supply that has stayed yes. the same. Yeah, we don't have much supply anymore, like you've said, and we've all felt three months to get to see a cardiologist. What the heck is the point of that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the burden is going to be really overwhelming in another couple of years. But I believe, I'm not sure, like I said, I think they voted on the Senate today, but I'll find out tomorrow because I'm going to just check it out for myself. But it, it's really kind of shocking. Like, And so this is not a mistake. It's no. all been in, in the works for a long time. You don't just introduce bills like that and have your entire conference vote yes. This is something, it's a plan. You know, uh, in very, very simple terms, it was put to me years ago when I was, was just starting to poke around into all of this kind of stuff. And somebody in my, in my I think it was either, I think it was a friend's father that said, Frank, we got two parties in this country. The Democrat Party is the evil party, and the Republican Party is the stupid party. And, and I, I, you know, in that very, very simplistic way of putting it, that's a, that, that's a really wonderful way of summing it up. But I think that the Republican Party is a lot more complicit than they are stupid. I think they play stupid. But it, it is pure evil for anybody to align themselves in ways like this to do that if you if you are part of the uh, the the maryland state assembly and you voted this in you are you are directly attacking your constituents you're that's an attack it's it's just it's such a betrayal and for anybody to have their mind twisted enough to see that as as a, a really stand-up thing to do that's something that must be done to completely uh, you know, plunder the treasury in your state instead of simply putting people on buses and bringing them back to where they came from is incredible, incredibly evil. Well, it wasn't just the Democrats that voted for it, Frank. Yeah. That's the shocking thing. But yeah. it's not really shocking. We had two crossovers from the Republican Party, and I frankly think Republicans are worse than Democrats because they lie about what they do. And then they do it. Yep. And and then blame somebody else, like oh they had to or whatever. They just lie about it. So I I think they're both evil at this point. But I think Republicans are a lot worse because they're the ones that just pretend to be something that they're not. I uh, thank and people you. believe them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know? I think people so. believe them. I think people want to believe them only because uh, uh, there's what else is there. What else is there? You know, it, 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 it's, uh, it's already, uh, I think, a, a very common thing for anybody who, who wants to see things get better, that they merely have to hold their nose and vote for a Republican, hoping that you get just an inch closer to sanity. And as you said, you know, they're, they're, it's, 
they're just as they're worse. And I and I'm with you. Thank you for the call, Hot Legs. All right, take care. Take care. Just worse, far worse. That's like I said when my friend's father told me, "Well, the Republican Party is a stupid party, and the Democrat Party is the evil party." That's before you realize that they're only playing stupid and they're complicit. And if that's the case, then they're just Judas goats and. Uh, I hate that person far more than anyone who tells you exactly what they're going to do and why they're doing it. Tells you exactly what books they're reading and what books they want your children reading. I, I, I can respect that enemy. I can respect that enemy. I really can. All right, listen. Follow me over to quitefrankly.tv, to pilled.net. Those links are widely shared around. It is two clicks. There's no paywall. I would never, ever do that to you. And those two clicks do so much for me in the interim, in the time that we're still that we're doing this, because it's not going to last forever. But it's really wonderful what we've done in the last couple of uh, in the last couple of months, and the things that it has allowed us to do, like survive all of the upgrades. Okay, for everybody who has complained about, um, you know, I, I wish that the full two hours was, uh, was all over the place. Well, that'll happen again one day. But I'll tell you something. This got us to a place where we were able to plan for the future and plan and act fast, faster, until we figure out a way to crowdfund a little bit more consistently from our foundation. And that's why I say, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, please go out and become a sponsor, especially on sub subscribestar.com. Uh, all of that is on the Sponsor Us page on quitefrankly.tv. All the ways that you become a monthly sponsor. And uh, remember, I'm giving away stickers to monthly sponsors that show up now. So anyway, on the other side of this, we have an amazing French Revolution article that, that pertains to what we're doing, talking about right now. Then we're going into some mind war stuff. The second hour is going to be great. I really would love your calls. So I'll see you. I'll see you on the other side. It's intermission time, folks. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls. No censorship. No strings attached. So head on over. Quitefrankly.tv. Powered by Foxhole. And pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Entering. 
Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. Okay, we're back. Now, I want to take a lot more of your calls. Write them down. Write down your thoughts. 914-200-0269. We're going to be taking your calls in a little bit. You know, I got to tell you, these... I don't know. This is just as off topic. But you ever feel like you're dancing between this life and forever? I know it sounds like a fucking lyric from a U2 song or something like that. It, there's, there's, we, you ever catch yourself where you're sitting there, maybe assisted by some music, some, you know, some music with atmosphere or something, and it's like you, the, the breath you take hits different, and there's almost like a little sense of electricity that comes through you, and it just kind of dances through you, and in one respect you feel very, very alive, and on the other way you you feel connected to I don't know you feel like you're going like you're also in this forever place it must I swear I'm sober um it's it's so odd Casey Kakalaki says yes I do I understand what you're talking about okay all right I'm going to try to put that into words at some point, better words, and bring you all in for a conversation about that because it's a, it's an odd place to be in, but it's it's comforting. Um, it's comforting at the same time. All right, uh, I have this this thing I would like to read with you. We'll do it in just a second. Want to make sure I get through all the super chats. NJSF says, wondering what if uh, what the f. NY Letitia James suit against JBS, the meatpacking industry, is a distraction from Amos Miller case. I wonder, I, I don't know. I don't know. Amos Miller, uh, I saw the JBS thing. Everybody's like, get out of New York now. So I don't even. I, she, listen, it's just. I don't know. That Letitia James, she, what a. What a Fat loser. What a fat loser. Head the size of a pig. Her head is the size of a pig. Cave Toad says the NGOs give them the money, Frank. 
Yeah, I, but yeah, I, we understand that that's exactly that that's what's going on. That some people are saving up for this trek, other people are just being sponsored and just being brought over because, of course, as long as you're a warm body, you will be useless. I mean, you will be useful for the operation. But, um, you know. It's, it's another thing to actually ask people and tell and have them tell you exactly how this all started and who gave you the slap on the back and they gave you the ticket. Who brought you over? That's the that's the bigger thing. Just say, oh, the NGOs did it. Well, I, I actually want to hear hear from people. Like when you talk to that guy, when you hear from those guys, the the uh, the uh, the military aged black guys that were talking about their U.N. EBT card whatever the hell it was like when you start getting little tidbits little anecdotes like that those are those are gems thank you bacon slut for the cookie cave toad again says have you ever tried to have michael yan or matt bracken on no i haven't michael yan sounds familiar sal sal lion says great talk with nick he's a good kid ain't he he's a good kid i hope he stays Happy and optimistic, but it's going to be very, very hard, especially if he starts asking the right questions. Chai Possum, thank you so much. Filter Dog says, it's all so ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Tomcat, great show. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Tomcat. Jay Sem, another great show. Thank you. Tam Growl, thank you. Jay Sem says, most of the polls are pocket line and compromise. Yes, indeed. And Amethyst Cat, thank you for the cookie as well. All right. All right. Here, listen to this now. Got a little bit uh, from James Howard Kunstler. So let's do this. America is heading for its own uh, Thermidorian reaction. Comes Thermidor. What's most amazing about the fiasco that was the French Revolution, is that it happened at exactly the same time that the United States successfully organized themselves into an orderly and effective government following the American Revolution. George Washington was elected and sworn in by April of 1789 with the backing of an exemplary constitution assembled by the best minds in the land. The Bastille fell in July that same year. France then fell into a years-long orgy, of beheading and chaos that went nowhere until 1799 when an artillery officer named Bonaparte put an end to it by sheer force of personality. Of course, France had assisted America in concluding our revolt against King, King George. Surely you remember Marquis de Lafayette from your high school history class, or has he been replaced by George Floyd? There were plenty of Frenchmen still on the American scene during the years following the British surrender at Yorktown in the fall of 1781. Some of them must have kept tabs on the Constitutional Convention, May to September of 1787, out of which came our blueprint for managing national affairs, and not a few of these Frenchmen were active in their own revolution, which kicked off two years later. By the way, Thomas Jefferson was in Paris in 1784 until autumn of 1789, months after the Bastille fell. He succeeded Ben Franklin as minister there to negotiate trade agreements. Ben went to London as ambassador. John Adams was also on the scene in Paris as our ambassador there when Jefferson arrived. 
These Americans met daily and chatted endlessly with French, France's political players. The Americans' Articles of Confederation were in effect then to be replaced by the improved, some would say, U.S. Constitution in 1787. The people of France, including the various elites involved in public life, royal, the bourgeoisie, uh, lawyers and generals, might have taken a lesson from the American experience of how to successfully come out of a political tribulation. Alas, they simply could not get their shit together. Rewind a little bit to 1793 in Paris. The revolution in full swing. King Louis went to the guillotine in January. The National Convention had replaced the National Assembly as the furnace of political action. The radical Jacobin fashion, faction, led by Robespierre and Saint-Just, coalesced into a power-seizing majority there. They took their name from a political club founded by anti-royalists, but their platform became increasingly extreme as the revolution lurched toward pandemonium. During their year in power, their one year in power, the Jacobins turned life of the nation upside down in their zealous quest to create a perfectly equitable society. They abolished the church and replaced it with their own cult of the supreme being, they changed the week from seven days to ten days. They changed the names of all the months on the calendar. We did all this. Remember when we were talking about the 13-month uh, calendar year, the lunar year, and then we also went into past, um, past uh, times in the past when people tried to go and change things around. This was a hilarious example of that, how central planners, how leftists, crazed leftists think that they could completely micromanage reality. Uh, 1792 was denoted as the year one. They put in price and wage controls while churning out money, uh, which triggered, voila, monetary inflation. They confiscated grain from farmers all over the country. They condemned thousands, estimate 20 to 40,000 of political enemies and they condemned them to the guillotine in their reign of terror. In short, the Jacobins made a bloody mess of things and pissed off a lot of their countrymen. By the summer of 1794, in their renamed month of Thermidor, everybody else had finally had enough of Jacobin nightmare. On July 27th, Robespierre was at the rostrum, once again denouncing his enemies and crying for blood when the outgroup members present started throwing food at him and shouting him down. That was the magic moment when everything flipped, the shock of recognition that the Jacobins had lost power, just like that. The chamber fell into a melee, a lot of shoving and shouting. Robespierre and his cronies were chased across town to the city hall and barricaded themselves inside. The mob broke through and arrested them. Somewhere in the confusion, a policeman shot Robespierre in the face, shattering his jaw. And the very next day, Robespierre, Saint-Just, and 20 of their associates had their appointment with the National Razor, the guillotine. This event became known as the Thermidorian Reaction. The insane Jacobin program of terror and social derangement was swiftly abolished. Nothing like it was seen again until the Bolsheviks, the Maoists, the Khmer Rouge came along in the 20th century, and now, in our time, the party of chaos led by Joe Biden, or whoever or whatever is behind him. 
with their open border, their lust for another world war, their drive for censorship, their sadistic lawfare, their race and sex hustles, their compulsive lying, and their sick destruction of every norm and boundary in daily life. America is heading for its own Thermidorian reaction. It'll end up being called something else, of course, because it is a different time, different place, different set of circumstances, but it feels close, doesn't it? Everybody I know or correspond with mentions this feeling that something is going to blow in our country and pretty soon. The air is alive with it, just as the air is alive with portents of spring. Are you waiting for it? I really love his writing. I really do. And, um, and I, yeah, I, I don't know what that is, what, it, what we are waiting for. But, you know, I, I hate to be that guy because I, I, what I do is I pray for strength a lot. I stopped praying for something. Even when Skip was dying, I, I just prayed for the strength of whatever, whatever, what, what was going to happen. I always have faith that anything is possible through God and with God. Always have faith in that, but you can't steer it. And I don't know. I, that's just something I don't ask for. I just ask for strength and guidance to make good, good, good decisions and navigate the rocky shores here on earth. But outside the fact that life itself is unpredictable, and that's what you really just need general guidance for, uh, those prayers are mostly now rooted in my personal assessment of where this is all heading in the, in the, 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 big, the big picture. Is there any way that we aren't close to real doom? The doom. I'm not talking about do. I'm talking about the doom, the, 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 the black swan events, the many of them. We're talking economic, writing on the wall, writing on the wall with this cyber stuff, things that have been promised to us by people who make good on their promises. You know, not everybody puts two and two together, but we've been able to do that now. So we know that they're psychopaths and we know that they follow through. Uh, the war footing that we're on in the Middle East and in, and in, in uh, Eastern Ukraine, that's being nurtured for one reason or another. There's a lot of things going. There's a lot of things going on. The black swan events, they're lingering. I mean, I'm not nuts, right? The only thing is that it's not, we've been saying that it's coming for a long time. Kind of feel like those people that are just in the middle of the, uh, in the, the, the rotaries in your I don't know, on the side of the highway saying the end is near, repent, all that stuff. And it's just like, okay, I, I guess all time is relevant when you take yourself out of earth and you, you go to another realm. But there's no way that this could, where, where does it go? There's no way that this could go anywhere else. There's no soft landing for the things that we're seeing. Now, I'm sure it could be sustained for a while, I think the people running the show, they have the ability to kind of keep things afloat until it's time to just let the bottom fall out of it and then scoop up the pieces and and just, just act as if that they are the, the, the anointed ones to rebuild the new world. I don't know, but there is something coming. As far as the Thermidorian reaction goes, that would have to be so widespread. I think as I was reading that, I was thinking about what Hot Legs just said about, the, uh, about, about people in Maryland. Because it's not just D.C. It's not just saying you're out of line. We're not listening to you anymore. Go fuck yourself. Stay out of our state. It's not even about that anymore. It's about in each state. Their state houses. 
everything down to the, I mean, it would have to be a, a nationwide down to the hamlets, a cleansing of the Jacobins. Those who actually wear the party, uh, the party patches and those who pretend to be the opposition, but actually really help the Jacobins along. I mean, it, it, I would love to see it. And yes, it's going to happen. But what's it going to look like in this time, these circumstances? Uh, that's that's anybody's game. I mean, since it's, since it's Lent, I'll give you an example. I feel like we're at the Last Supper right now. I feel like we've been invited for the Last Supper. And, you know, something's coming. Something's coming. Something that's going to be enormous. Something that is going to be scary. Something that is going to be very, very, a very, very big test. And, of course, afterwards there will be a great triumph. But we're not talking over the course of four days here. This ain't going to be a four-day excursion. Nothing like that. Four-day adventure. That's not going to be the case. You know, I was thinking about something else when I was talking um, with um, with my friend Father Pat not too long ago on Tuesday when Lauren and I were meeting with him. More wedding meetings. And we're just chit-chatting. And he had talked about um, he had talked about this um, this talk he had uh, he had attended this person he was speaking with who was discussing the fact that for the first time in human history we are seeing right now a rise in not not like sectarianism but also the rise of just complete lack of interest in the tra- in transcendency at all you know it's not a matter of competing faiths and denominations that'll always be there but it's 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 an indifference it's an indifference to things a checking out so there are so many things going on, and I wonder how that is all going to factor in because there is another thing going on in this respect with us. One of the things that's different about our time is the mind war aspect. Let's just let's just sink our teeth into this one. Um, here we go. Because uh, the, 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 the issue with the Jacobins is that, you know, it didn't take that long for them to be uprooted. You know, as, as I said, when we started reading that, it's one year. But we have such a different situation, by the way, that uh, than they did for, I don't know. I mean, that year has been we're over, we're, what are we, like 100 years later now? There are millions, millions of undiscerning people out there who enjoy being told what to do by these people. By people who who they see as authorities, they love being told uh, which brands of hatred and discrimination are acceptable. There are, I mean, they're losers in that respect because they actually have no control of their lives, and they found virtue in sacrificing every modicum of of common sense that would normally serve as an effective means of self defense for your family, for a household, for a community, and for a nation. That's what we were talking about in the first half about people who seem to have had any kind of threat detection mechanisms in their head turned off when it comes to just the border alone, which is such an incredible problem and has been for a long time. But where does that defense mechanism, how do you turn that off in people? Well, that's where mind war comes in. 
you know, the um, the the second generation psychological operations all uh, designed by the same people. Take a listen to this. Now, this right here is a paper, a 10 page paper called From PSYOP to Mind War, the the Psychology of Victory by Colonel Paul E. Valley with Major Michael Aquino. PSYOP Research and Analyst Team Leader, okay, from 1980. Going right here, the bottom of page two. Within the U.S. military, PSYOP has habitually been relegated to a back seat as force multiplier. The principal strategic decisions are made in consideration of traditional political and military interests and goals. Only then is a PSYOP invited to the table to help achieve already agreed upon missions more efficiently. Mind war reverses the sequence. Psychological means for achieving victory, essentially through convincing the enemy that he he really wants to bring his national policies into harmony with ours. Now, the way that this is written... It makes it seem like this is a a plan to make, you know, the people in some backwater country somewhere on the other side of the world uh, become more and more in line with American policy. And therefore, they start voting for it. They don't want to be in the way that they'll start voting for people that are going to be in line. And perhaps this this uh, this has been implemented. It continues to be implemented along with any other means to manipulate another so-called sovereign country's, you know, pathway forward. But to think that this is not being rolled out domestically is just very, very naive. Now, listen to this. Uh, The psychological means for achieving victory essentially through convincing the enemy that he really wants to bring his national policies into harmony with ours. They are fashioned in support of basic political goals. The use of ordinary military force, bombs, bullets, etc., is regarded as a last resort in circumstances wherein mind war by itself fails. Okay? Now, I think where we are right now, um, as far as the way that we're being invaded, that in itself is already tricky because uh, obviously... You think to yourself, well, these people, there's no way that these uh, unwashed millions of people who are coming here by the busload can actually really invade us if they wanted to. They're unarmed. They're barely literate. What the hell are they doing? It's because the people, our real enemy, is on the inside of our government and all affiliated agencies and, and, and companies, contractors, who are facilitating this, that are making this happen. How do you fight that with bombs and bullets? They're the ones with all the bombs and bullets. They're using strictly psychological warfare on us. They're making us fight about racism and xenophobia while they're doing this to us. It's it's sick. It's some sick shit. He continues, three more paragraphs. The advantage of mind war is that it conducts wars in non-lethal, non-injurious, and non-destructive ways. Essentially, you overwhelm your enemy with argument. You seize control of all the means by which this his government and population process information to make up their minds, and you adjust it so that those minds are made up as you desire. Everyone is happy. No one gets hurt or killed. Nothing is destroyed. 
Ordinary warfare, on the other hand, is characterized by its lack of reason. The antagonists just maim or kill each other's people, steal and destroy each other's land until one side is hurt so badly that it gives up or both sides are hurt so badly that they agree to stop short of victory. After such a war, there is lasting misery, hate, and suffering. The only loser in mine war are the war profiteers, companies and corporations which grow fat on orders for helicopters, tanks, guns, munitions, etc. Consequently, what President Dwight Eisenhower referred to as the military-industrial complex can be counted upon to resist implementation of mine war as the governing strategic conflict doctrine. That's mine war prospectus in the most simplified form, which of course is part of the psychological operation that they're running right now, even in promoting this idea, because mine war is being run on us. Meanwhile, is the, is the military-industrial complex been hampered in any way? What are they doing in Ukraine? That there, it's hundreds of billions, another 60 billion here. It never ends. It never ends. The aid given to Israel constantly, it never ends. All over the place, it never ends. Okay, Victoria Newland the other day said that the money that is being sent in Ukra into Ukraine is essentially being funneled right back into the United States because it's going toward United States bomb makers. And meanwhile, here we are completely disabled in thought. Essentially, you overwhelm your enemy with argument. Boy, oh boy, is that not how you describe the situation we're in, the, the state of our, of our country right now? Is that not how you describe us? Overwhelmed with argument. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's just incredible. Incredible to hear. So why do I bring this up? Well, obviously, it... it I think it lends itself to the reason why here we are so disabled and so timid, so disabled and so socially timid to be able to put aside our political party affiliations and say, this migrant shit's got to stop. My community's being destroyed. I have nothing against these people if they get online and they do it like everybody else. Uh, we don't need a better immigration system that gets more people in here quicker, rubber stamping people. I think that long lines getting into the United States is just fine. You've been waiting 10 years to become a United States citizen? Fine, wait. We're gonna make sure that everybody is checking every box, you're bringing work prospects, you speak the language, you have no criminal backgrounds, boom, who cares? That should be something that we all agree on, but we've been bombarded by argument. Our critical thinking faculties have been shut down. And I, and I put these two things together here because of course, the modern-day Jacobins, even though the Jacobins for, from the French Revolution in the 18th century, they had one year. They had one year in power before people uprooted them and cut their heads off. Modern-day Jacobins have had so much more than one year because of their level of influence, where they are. They have everybody from kindergarten teachers to presidents. The 21st century, in the 21st century, the modern-day Jacobins, they're still fiddling with the calendar. 
there is an alternative day of celebration for every day that we used to hold dear over here. Patriotic holidays, they have their own Juneteenths and stuff like that. Christmas has that ridiculous Kwanzaa thing where they just poo-poo all over the the whole thing. Uh, You know, June being the entire LGBT incorporated month. I mean, they still tinker with the calendar. That's, That's very important to them, building up their breakaway nation. They need their own calendar. You know, they're still trying to replace the church with their own faith. They're still meddling with the family. But see, the French revolutionaries, they didn't have the CIA. The French revolutionaries, they didn't have a central bank. They didn't have Tavistock, and they didn't have the media. So as always, the underlying question is, how much longer does it go on for, and how does it end? That's what I would like to know. It's always something interesting to ask. So you guys and gals, I don't know where you're at right now, but please... Give me a buzz, and uh, I'd love to hear from you right after the break. It's 914-200-0269. Yes, indeed. I'll see you in just a couple of seconds here. Had a friend. You looking for a message board? Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread. Get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, so don't sweat it. For the forum and then so much more, it's quitefrankly.tv. Lulu had a baby, she named him Tiny Tim. She put him in the piss butt to teach him how to swim. He swam to the bottom, he swam to the top. Lulu got excited and pulled him by his cocktail ginger ale, five cents a glass. If you don't like it, just shove it up your ass. Ask me no more questions, I'll tell you no more lies. A man got hit with a bag of shit, and that's the reason why. Conspiracy. Who's that nifty new dream boat that has the dollies flipping their lid? That's right. Join your made in the shade host of Quite Frankly. Quite Frankly streams live Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 Eastern, and everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Goose it on over. For everything else, it's Quite Frankly.tv. Take a call. Let us take a call. Take a call. 314, you're on the air. Who's this? Frank. Yo. Thanks for taking my call. Who's it? Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Listen, that was a great article. Kind of summed it up in a nice uh, nutshell. Hard to tell my family about it without them rolling their eyes. But I mean, it's actually happening this way. Um... I would add to it, uh, yeah, we're in for uh, a bunch of false flags coming around before the election, and uh, there's not a lot of uh, America First people out there with red hats on. They're not America First people. They're probably CIA, FBI, infiltrated, just like January 6th, that are burning down 
they're not burning their own houses down, American First People or businesses. They're fake. They're out there. So don't go join them. Don't go join them. And the military will be called in. And when they do round them up, they will have, it'll be Antifa, BLM, BLM right? Um, so that'll, that'll pan out on its own. Just stay out of it. Stay defected. This mind warp. You can take action. I just want to say one thing. Actforamerica.org. And these, this is one thing you can do. And, uh, it's very simple. You get on your email list and they've already passed 240, uh, Act First America, uh, bills. Um, not all, 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 not, they're not all crooked, but some are good. So they're, they're passing bills. Something you can do instead of being frustrated. You can act because these, these leftists, that's all they do is act. Okay. Right. So there you so oh, I, so there you go. So Patrick has a website, actforamerica.com, where people jump in on legislation, I guess, or petitions. There's there, that's definitely one way that you can you can very easily contribute to to some kind of change, whether it be local or something else. Uh, whatever you, whatever you feel most exercised over. You want to write a book? Write a book. Uh, write a song, paint a picture of a nice sunset, keep your humanity intact. That, if you, There's one thing that you can take from that, that loser in Athens, Georgia, just like we want to make, make sure that the dignity of humanity is, is, is preserved for everybody. So, you know, yeah, that's actually a great idea. You continue to try to preserve the dignity for murderers who should not be in the country, and we will try to preserve our dignity. And not getting baited into the, uh, the baited into what you want us to do, because you know what? At any other time in human history, it would be completely justified. Six three one, go right ahead. Hey Frank, uh, Kyle, fellow New Yorker here. Um, so on WhiteHouse.gov, they came out with an article today. Uh, fact sheet impact of bipartisan border agreement funding on border operations. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see that uh, it says the bill also includes $1.4 billion for cities and states who are providing critical services to newcomers <laughs> and would expedite, expedite work permits for people who are already in the country and qualify. So my question is just, well, in, they used to, instead of calling them illegals and then it became migrants, now they're referring to um people as newcomers now and uh what why are they doing that what's the purpose uh for calling them newcomers instead of just illegals or you know federal criminals crossing the border because they ain't coming because they ain't going anywhere they came but they ain't going so they're newcomers that's it they're not they're, they're not newcomers and goers um this is they're they're they are where these crooks have always intended them to be and this is a, a very bold part, a new part uh, phase of the plan where they just start embracing this. And all those years of denying that this was some sort of a partisan operation that was meant to displace voting people in this country over time is just the way it's going to be. And everybody has to let go of their their old way, their old retrograde uh, notions of how American life was always going to be. This is a nation of immigrants, after all. It's a nation of immigrants. Make room for the newcomers. They want you to get 
absolutely insanely pissed off. And it is infuriating. It is infuriating. And I'm actually pissed off at the people least. Least. Because you know what? It's just the people who, who are able to maintain their lifestyle. You know? That K Street lifestyle, going to their black black tie events and and uh, and and feeling like that they are sufficiently insulated away from the hell that they're creating for everybody else, socially, economically, and otherwise. Just incredible stuff. One point six billion dollars for the newcomers, newcomers, newcomers. Why did they change the the uh, the, the the caller asked? Why would they change the why would they start calling them that? I don't know. Why would why would they describe Hillary Clinton's uh, actions with her uh, email servers and and the way that she was mishandling classified um, the materials as extremely careless instead of calling it what you would call it just at the baseline gross negligence, which carries criminal penalty? Well, because if you call them illegal aliens, even if you call them undocumented peoples then it makes it sound like they are people uh, who have shown up here illegally. That their first interaction with this country was committing a crime, entering its back door without knocking. Okay? That's what it is. If you call them newcomers, then, oh, well, welcome to class. Sit in the back seat. You know, we have some, uh, you know, fill in. There's there's empty seats, uh, seats all over the place. 40 acres and a mule, perhaps. You know, it, it it's psychological. That dribbles down into everything. The way that they do their 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 uh, p- um, public relations appearances on television to how they write in all of the literature that is passed around, all of the memorandum that goes around, goes on from police department to police department all over the country. They are meticulous in the way that they shape up the narrative around their scams. They are running a con. They are running a con. Nuts. 914 Let's bring some more callers on. Because you guys are making me very happy. Let's do it. And don't worry. Don't worry. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Elon Musk declares whole civilization is at stake. And uh, people like him are the only solution. This is from the Daily Star. Elon Musk warns society is at stake in a chilling social media post. The Tesla tycoon frequently speaks about how humanity's demise, citing population decline as the biggest threat to our species. However, sharing a post on X, formerly Twitter, he blamed another enemy altogether. The post he shared from user PMARCA read, There is no differentiation opportunity among big tech or new incumbents in AI. These companies all share the same ideology, agenda, staffing, and plan. Different companies, same outcomes. And they are lobbying as a group with great intensity to establish a government-protected cartel to lock in their shared agenda and corrupt products for decades to come. The only viable alternatives are Elon, startups, and open source. The post was widely shared with one user commenting, The stakes are high. We need to fight. Which Elon Musk responded, Indeed, our whole civilization is at stake. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I I do believe that we need alternatives 
We need startups. We need independence out there because it's true. It's going to be harder and harder. It's going to be harder and harder to get a leg up when this stuff is just going to be spewed out automatically. Here's a guy that was being interviewed uh, by Nick Shirley. I think he's a postman in New York City being interviewed about the migrant crisis. Take a listen to this. Hold on a second. Let me do this whole thing. Joe. <laughs> Sleep. So he asked, you know, who, who do you think is responsible for this? He says, Sleepy Joe. Be just the one to blame for all of this. As you, you just gotta look at him on TV. He don't, he, he doesn't do anything. I can't wait till, I can't wait till next year when Trump becomes president, mm -hmm. so that everything could go right back to normal. Because everything is messed up. The police ain't doing their job. All these people, obviously, this is from our tax money. These guys are receiving like four grand a month. Four grand a month to live in 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 hotels and buy things and stuff I'm like. Aren't we the ones in need? Mm -hmm. the, the, the people from the United States? This is ridiculous. That's why I've never voted in my life. And I'm voting this year for Trump because things need to get back to normal. Now, what is back to normal? Uh, what is Trump going to be able to do to clean up New York State, New York City? If he were president, any president, not much. Not much, but you could. But you know, as far as uh, as far as the uh, Thermidorian reaction goes, this is part of that Thermidorian reaction. Let's take a call from Jack. What's going on, Jack? How you doing, Frank? Doing well. Good to hear from you again. Nice to talk with you tonight. Thank you for having another wonderful program. You know, I I think back to 1836 and those defenders in the Alamo, and uh, you know. We sort of have to have that mentality. We're surrounded on all sides by enemies. Indeed, we are. You know, they withstood 13 days. Uh, I've been running for Congress for the last decade, every two years, just uh, just to throw a little uh, wrench in the system, give people another choice. Well, Jack, every time you call in, I'm I'm always really appreciative of the updates of, of what you're doing and, and how you're always planning uh, the, the, the next venture for yourself out there in your local area. If it weren't for people like you, we really would have no hope whatsoever. But I would say um, uh, you, you represent a group of this audience, very specific group of people in this audience who have inspired me to no end over the years. I mean, there's just plenty of people who have just gone gone ahead and taken up the mantle of getting involved with their local um, school board or they have run and won for different posts in their city council or anything else like that, city and local governments. It's uh, it's really been wonderful. And I, and I hope, Jack, that you are able to, 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 to break through that ceiling, that uh, sludge ceiling, and, and make your way into Congress at uh, some point. Well, Frank, they'd probably assassinate me before I even got close to uh, swearing the oath. So <laughs> God they, forbid. Uh, they've uh, done uh, everything they could just to prevent me from getting on the ballot uh, multiple times. So increasing the number of signatures, uh, increasing the polling thresholds to get into a debate on public TV. Uh, obviously, they don't want we're just we don't have representation. We don't. These people do not represent us. And we need to stand up and say, hey, we want a seat at the table to discuss the representation. Correct.
Correct. Yep. Now you said that. Now you said that you had a um, between twenty twenty no no twenty twenty and twenty twenty two. You had the exact amount of votes both times that were cast for you to down to the very vote. Yeah, it was between uh, twenty sixteen and twenty twenty. Okay, and it what was those it? were both uh, presidential years, and I got fifteen thousand three hundred and some votes both times. Identical. Almost identical. It was off by a dozen or two. So it was, uh, you know, just apparently I have some loyal uh, friends that, uh, you know, support smaller constituencies. I like that. Well, either way, you let us know uh, what's going on over the course of this year. I know that November is going to be busy for you, but um, I'm always rooting for people like you. If it's not for those elections, those are the only elections that really matter to me these days. And thanks again for calling in, Jack. Okay, thank you, Frank. Have a great evening. All right, take care. That's Jack Holder. I think he's in an I. I think he's in Iowa. I'm pretty sure he's in Iowa. Might be wrong, but I'm sure. But he'll he'll call in again. I'm. I bet he will. All right. Um, let's see here. Nine one four two hundred o two six nine. Got a couple more minutes. Might get off one or two minutes early, and really getting into it. Really getting into it tonight. And here's another little something for you. Leo Zagami. We can end with this. We can end with this. Uh, Jacob Rothschild's secret revealed as Dynasty continues, and so does their immense wealth and power. Here's a little bit from Leo Zagami that we can end with with 10 minutes left or something like that. Here you go. As I wrote in Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume 8, When referring to the Illuminati, the mind immediately turns to the great international dynasties, such as the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. Further in the book, I explain how the Rothschilds became in the most important family in the banking sector. Two centuries and trusted bankers of the Vatican. Today, Jacob Rothschild, fourth Baron Rothschild, prominent member of the Sabbatean Frankist banking dynasty, who wielded power in the spheres of influence finance, International politics for over 250 years has died at age 87. Immediately after the Rothschild Foundation announced his death, everybody had uh, something to say about him around the world, both in the mainstream as well as alternative press. After all, the second Baron Rothschild was Walter Rothschild, Walter Rothschild, the leader of the British Jewish community to whom the famous Balfour Declaration was addressed. And Jacob's father, Victor Rothschild, third Baron, had been not only British scientists, but a senior intelligence officer during World War II, recruited to work for MI5 during the war effort in roles including bomb disposal, disinformation, and espionage. After the war, Victor Rothschild became not only a senior executive with Royal Dutch Shell and N.M. Rothschild and uh, Sons in the world of business, but also an advisor to Edward Health and Margaret Thatcher governments in UK. In the book, Who Paid the Piper? An Account of CIA Propaganda During the Cold War, author Francis Stoner Saunders alleges that Jacob's father also channeled funds to Encounter, an intellectual magazine founded in 1953 to support the so-called non-Stalinist left to advance U.S. foreign policy goals. The same non-Stalinist left became in charge of the Democratic Party. So it continues on again. Um, the reason 
for their immense power. The Rothschilds' power and wealth is explained in the passage of Confessions of Illuminati, Volume 8. The progenitor of this powerful Jewish family, Amschel Mayer Rothschild, known as the founding father of international finance, was nominated by the prestigious Forbes magazine as one of the 20th, 20 most influential people in history. It was Amschel Mayer Rothschild who developed the Illuminati project with the support of heretics of the Jewish world, the Sabbatean Frankists with the backing, backing of the Jesuits, the unparalleled project on history of humanity for the creation of secret network of initiates dedicated more to politics than to esotericism, which initially materialized the Order of the Illuminati, founded by Johann Adam Weishaupt, May 1st, 1776, a date that later became International Workers' Day, or May Day. See, this is why I was saying that it was um, really interesting that you would have those Brooklyn uh, communist marches on the day that this guy died. And a lot of people started digging into the backgrounds there. Of course, Leo Zagami's pretty pretty solid on that information, so definitely go check that out. All being wrapped up this week. A Rothschild died on Monday. So much there. Let's take a call. 605, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, 94 Winchester here, Frank. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Good to have you on, Winchester. Hey, I called you a couple years ago about near death. Yes. And I got, <clears throat> pardon me, I got crushed in a garbage truck. Yes. And Yes, I remember if this. If you remember that call. Um, but that feeling you get, Frank, that's kind of electricity and stuff, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what my grandmother used to say, and I firmly believe that. It's a... It's something I can't explain, and I like that explanation that you just gave me. I'll take that any day. I uh, mean, it's just, it's an almost a, it's almost an, a good, it's a great feeling, but it's a little scary. Yes. And it's a lot of electricity tingling through you. And she used to tell me, you can, you know, you can call for the Holy Spirit. And I forgot about it for a long, long time. And I've been doing that, and you get that feeling, Frank. It's it's kind of uh, spiritual. It is spiritual. And I just had the anniversary of that garbage truck, me getting crushed in a garbage truck in Jan uh, January. And for some reason, I thought about it, and I got that feeling, and it just brings tears to your eyes, even even thinking about it but that's the feeling you get and i really believe that that's the holy spirit giving you a nudge or a guidance or something but i anyhow anyhow frank great show always a great show and i appreciate it i appreciate your call winchester thank you and i, and I hope you call in more often that is a story i'll always remember I mean, it did, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just had the anniversary of that on the 4th of January. And I was thinking about that. I mean, it's like me and my wife, we don't have any kids or anything in the house. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table one night and going, God, you know, my life, you know, what do you do next? And that feeling came over me like, hey, man, everything's OK. You're going to be fine. It's just a, it's a great feeling. 
I know. Yeah, but, it goes beyond. And thank you, thank you again for the call. I hope that you maybe we should take calls on this one night. Um, it's uh, it, it's something that it's been happening a lot more lately, and I didn't know if it was just you know sometimes you have this. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you just get goosebumps for some reason, but it's beyond goosebumps. It's not goosebumps. It is. No. It's a. It's a surge that I. I swear to God, it almost like it takes you. You feel like you have one foot on this planet, and you are. You are just okay. You know that feeling where you're standing next to a waterfall, and you. Like you're standing next to a waterfall, and there's the, you can feel the rush of the water, and you can feel a, almost like a breeze coming off of the waterfall that makes what? you it makes you tingle. Sure, it, Th- and that's a, that's a you know that's pretty that's pretty much the way you're you're just feeling inside. Yes, that's exactly I mean, what it, I feel. It's it's, a, it's coming from your in it's coming from inside you, and filling up your. Man, you, it comes out your fingers and everything else. It's a tingle, uh, for me at least. But I mean, it's it's a it's a unique and very it's a, it's a soothing feeling. Well, I'm glad that you helped me put that into words again, man. Thank you for calling in. Hey, have a great night, Frank. All right, hey, you too. Have a great one yourself. Uh, yeah, th- that is the best way I can say it. You know, there's other things that have happened for me, and I'll I'll put it to you this way. Um, you know, it's I got five minutes left, so I'll just I'll just turn this into a uh, a, a things I like segment. I haven't done this in a while. There are a number of songs, musical compositions that really get me, uh, that bring me to a place that is just something else. First of all, that 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 Orthodox hymn, the hymn of the uh, cherubim. I was listening to that in the other in this in the in the car the other day. When was it? Anyway, I think it was last week when Aurora and I I just scooped her up. I said, "Hey, you want to go pick up all of our our dairy products from the farm?" She said, "Yeah." So so put her in the car, and I love driving around with her in the morning because you know, we just listen to music. And she goes, "Oh, I love that song. Oh, this is my favorite song too, Dad." And we just have a, a great time and. And the hymn of the, Ch- hymn of the cherubim came on, and she wa- she she wanted to leave it on, and it was so powerful. I said, "No, listen to this," and I had to explain to her. She she said, "Are these angels?" I said, "No, it's 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 these are these are human beings. These are people. These are there's the men. You can, she she can hear the the male vocal um, sections coming in, and then of course." the higher register female sections come in and how they just how they just you know harmonize in these incredible ways and it is enough it's enough to just ring things out of me it is purely frequency you know eyes water up a tear will roll down sometimes just because it is just a physical reaction it's not crying or anything like that, but it's you're, you're breathtaking. There is an awe there. To a lesser degree, those little sweeps of energy that, that I feel, and I, I, I guess some of you do too, I don't know what the hell it is. I would love for it to be the Holy Spirit. But um, putting it into that perspective of 
standing next to a waterfall or rushing water where you kind of, there's a little bit of spray in the air. You're not getting wet, but there's a breeze that comes off of the current and you feel this tingly electricity that you don't want to leave around. You can sometimes you can sometimes duplicate that feeling by standing on the outside of the, the shower. You're just about to get just about to get inside of the shower. You're outside of the range of the spray of the of the water, and you're just kind of there, and you kind of like get a tingle go through your body. Now, obviously, that's just you know there's there's different types of stimulus, but I'm not I'm I'm sitting over here right now. I don't I don't have any running water near me. And outside of that, there's always been music. There's always been music. And you got to listen to it, right? You got to surround yourself in it. So I have some good speakers in my car. And the hymn of the cherubim was, it it made the whole car levitate. And, you know, when it, when it finally died down, I heard Aurora go, wow. I mean, that that's a universal language right there. There was this other song. It's an uh, it's a it's an ambient mix by this. I think the artist is called Orc Idea. And here, yeah, this is it. Now there was a part in here. It's the you know it, it's a good song. It's a nice kind of like trancey you know electronica kind of a song. But there was a part in here. The reason why I, I, I added it to my playlist is because when I heard this one part, I don't know what is it, it is about it. There are two there are two notes that kind of sound almost like a a screeching, crackling energy single energy signal, an audio signal that just has almost like a screech to it. That I feel for some reason that there is that is almost like what our voice is when we don't have a body. I don't know what the fuck do I feel about this song for, you know, how like 10 years that I've been listening to it. Listen to this. Hold on. Okay, hold on. I've got, I've got to find this part. I think it might be coming up here. All right. I think this is it right here. Listen to this. Hear that? It sounds like some kind of a bird. I don't know what it is. It, you might just think it's nuts. Okay, well, Frank, you're you're having a moment for yourself. I'm gonna click out. You, you, okay, I, I I understand. It's just been something that has hit me in the gut for a while. And I was like, what? Why does that sound placed right there? Why is that tone feel so? Like, it feels like home for some reason. It's not necessarily the most, you know, it's not the, it's not a, I don't, I don't know. It's just odd. It almost sounds like what electricity, 
would sound like if it was going to try to vocalize. And I, uh, I just feel like when we don't have this body giving us these very shallow and limited human experiences to try to make sense of everything else around us, then there's probably something so not human and eternal about us that takes shape. And it felt distant, but familiar at the same time, nostalgic, and almost a little bit sad, too. I, eh, this is the world I live in. And sometimes I'm able to put it into words, and other times I'm not. Um, but I hope you guys and gals had a great time with me tonight. Tomorrow is Friday. We will end the week with uh, some friends in studio. Matt will be here. Anthony will be here. We'll talk about uh, one thing or another. And, uh, and I hope that you're all, you're all sitting around to enjoy it with us. Thank you to JSM, who ends all the gold pills with a wow, great show. Frank's hitting it out of the park. Love it. I'm sure that was before I started talking about the music and the screeching angels. So, um, but, thank, but thank you for that. Stow Stoops says, great Thursday, Frank, Franklies, and Franciscans. Cody says, hey, Frank. Have you ever heard the George Washington quote where he's celebrating the fact that Jacobins had infiltrated the U.S. and even mentions the Illuminati by name? It's in the Library of Congress website. I can send it to you if you haven't heard it. If you have ever get a chance to interview General Flynn, I would love to hear his take on Michael Aquino if you ever met him. Just curious because they both were bigwigs in the DIA. The George Washington quote you're, you're talking about, uh, I've seen that, um, and I really do believe that people read it wrong. Especially the line about satisfied with this fact. I know what you're talking about there. I don't. I don't know. I think uh, the more I read, the more I have. I'm skeptical about Thomas Jefferson than George Washington. I'm more skeptical about Jefferson than Washington. The fact that Jefferson was still so enamored with the French Revolution, even though he see how many lives it was being, uh, uh, how many lives um, were being claimed along the way in such you know brutal and unthinking fashion, that's odd. And uh, and Washington really angered Jefferson for staying neutral during that entire thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, you can send it to me, but I've seen it before. Maybe we can talk about that one night. I could bring somebody on or or one thing or another. Gino says, Frank, uh, something does have to give. Our society can't continue like this. Criminals allowed to run amok. Heroes like Daniel Penny charged with murder. One travesty after another every day. It's insane. Something has to give. And it will. Oh, it, it will, Gino. It will. The question is always going to be, how is it going to look for us? Because whereas you can put these things on a timer, especially when we talk in, in, um, in terms of the fourth turning and how you can actually see how this stuff happens cyclically, uh, this is the first time in human history, at least for our recorded human history, that we have a much more intuitive technological uh, media landscape. There's a lot of thing communication. There's a lot of things going on right now that I think still are wild cards. Aside from the fact that the human spirit is the greatest of wild cards and you can't tame it. So thank you guys and gals. I'll be looking at this. Uh, I'll be looking out for you guys tomorrow. 
and I, I really appreciate you all very much. Okay, that's that. Good night. Take care. That's not what I wanted to do. This. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, Cody, Gino, Jay Brits, Least Breaker, and Melly Mel Rodriguez. I'll see you guys tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Don't you dare be anywhere but here. Nighty night. Just a little bit of a reminder, a word to the wise, if you will. Do not worry about the worries from yesterday. Leave it in the past. Move forward with confidence because there are so many new things to be experienced today. New joy to be had. So move forward, be strong, and have a great rest of your day.